today we got Johnny Oduya, a former NHL professional, uh, two-time Stanley Cup winner, and I, I believe a runners-up in, in the Olympics. Welcome. Thank you. Um, well, uh, the reason why we invited you is um, most people know you for all these things and many more. You played over a decade in the NHL and a famous hockey player, but you also have uh, a lot of interest in, in breathing. And we met uh, on one occasion when you went through the Oxygen Advantage uh, course. So we kind of want to talk about uh, the importance of, of breathing. And I know you're opening up the studios across Stockholm now, but before we kind of dig into that, uh, maybe take a step back and tell us a little bit how it all started. Uh, yeah, what, what part? Uh, first of all, I mean, I'm, I think I'm super happy. I'm super happy to be here. I want to say that uh, as a start, I really uh, I dig both of you guys. Obviously, met you in, in Denmark before this pandemic and uh, squeezed in the, the last uh, training, so to speak, with, with Patrick. And uh, yeah, I got to know, know you there, Daniel. We talked a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Every break, I think it's almost uh, we felt like we were skipping class at times, but uh, we weren't. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, that's uh, super nice. So, uh, yeah, but so what, 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 what part uh, specifically, like where well, do you want well, to? Well, I think, uh, I think you maybe start with a, a brief background from because uh, uh, I, you know, I know your background and, and you, uh, I think you uh, made uh, you know, your success from a lot of hard work. So, maybe. I know you didn't play in the Swedish Teve Puk. Uh, like you know, you didn't have the clear-cut career maybe as the the the, the super junior like uh, some maybe like Peter Forsberg and so on. So uh, how you, you maybe briefly from how you started and how leading up to the NHL. Uh, okay, briefly, briefly. Um, yeah, I, I think you're uh, kind of right with that. I, I was never the the superstar player, and uh, I think I. I had an ambition that was quite high, um, quite the path. Uh, so uh, I was on the hockey rings very early. My brother played and uh, it was just a part of life for me uh, in the beginning. And, uh, you know, over time, obviously, uh, uh, playing in Stockholm, growing up, uh, different teams uh, and uh, uh, moved to Gothenburg and played there actually for a year or two for Frölunda, which was fantastic for me. Um, and uh, after that, I, I, <clears throat> I went to, um, uh, to the U.S. to play, basically. I played one year in, uh, in, in uh, junior hockey, too, in Canada when I was 19, but I came back. Uh, it didn't really work out the way I wanted to. I thought I could just skip right to the NHL, but it didn't work, so I had to come <laughs> back home and and play pro a couple more years home, uh, at home. And, um, uh, but I think that was good for my development in a way. Uh, I think uh, some, uh, it's a change in how to uh, uh, get to the NHL now compared to uh, when I played uh, when I was younger. It's way more, uh, way more intense and way more faster uh, track to get there. You know, you want to get guys that are like uh, 18 years old and everybody's going to play in the NHL right away. The league is way younger than when I came in. Uh, I was 24, I think, that year. And uh, that would be seemed like quite late now. And uh, I was one of the younger guys in the team then. We had, I think we had like four, five, five guys that was over 36 or something, which is quite unusual these days. So um, I was kind of like always trying to make like one step at a time, so to speak. And uh, uh, really... I wouldn't say I had the focus, fully focus on just, you know, the NHL in that sense, but, uh, you know, winning the Stanley Cup was the only really thing that I had in my mind the whole time. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, Olympics and being national teams and all of these things are, are I, for me, more than an honor and a place to, uh, you know, compete against the best also, but, but really an honor to represent your country. Whereas, uh, I never really had the gold medal in my head. I was more of the Stanley Cup that was always there. And uh, um, yeah, it turned out eventually I, I ended up on a, on a quite good team and, and fitted in. I think that's probably one of the things that I'm, uh, that I'm good at, that I, I, I find a way in different places and different environments and uh, try to adapt and try to learn as much as possible. And that's basically what I'm doing now too. I'm trying to adapt and learn as much as I can. So. 
I think that's the that's the the short version of my my background in in hockey, anyways. Yeah. So when <clears throat> when you got to NHL, uh, it was around two thousand six seven or something like that. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and how how was that change? I mean, did they have any? I mean, obviously they have a, a physio and so on, but as far as the rest of the mental aspects that we're going to get into, like uh, meditation. Uh, breathing, sleep, hygiene, because hockey is very tough. You travel a lot. So how was yeah, that? I th- yeah, I think when I came in, there was not that much talk about any of these things, really. Um, I mean, it depends a little bit of the organization. I was in New Jersey, which is which was fantastic at that time, and uh, uh, really good structures and everything, and, and really wanted to take care of the players. So, so there was an element of it. I don't know if it was maturity, um, uh, you know, from the leagues or from the teams, but I saw this development uh, coming way later in my career, and it was fully, I think, for me uh, when I actually got to to Chicago uh, at at the end there. Actually, uh, that I think that mentality changed a lot, and you know, I think it comes. It's natural thing when you're over when you're under thirty or twenty five. You think you're invincible and you're going to play forever, and everything's like fantastic, you know. And uh, uh, you don't really think about much else, which in kind of some ways you probably shouldn't. Uh, and once you like hit 30, then it's like you're battling every year to stay in the game, so to speak. Uh, and over 35 for sure. And some of these guys are over 40 now, and they, they could probably attest to that too, that uh, you don't get any faster. You get maybe a little bit smarter, but everything else is kind of going the other way, you know? So um, uh, you, you start to think about how you can affect that in a different way and I think for me uh, overall performance is something I've been worried about for uh, I would say probably 10 years now or at least eight uh, and uh, that's all different aspects and the, and the the changes I saw mostly was uh, you know people started talking about training in different ways are you like maybe all these heavy heavy lifting and like muscle building bigger guys I mean the chick the game changed too when I came in, I was a small, fast guy. And when I left, I was like, uh, you know, medium size and slow kind of. So the, the game has also changed a lot, which I think is actually for the better uh, instead of just uh, uh, all this uh, hacking and whacking. And I think it's more fun to watch, actually. Um, but I saw the change in that. And with that also, you know, more a higher general skill level. Uh, so you have to find something to be able to compete. Uh, training alone, alone, will, alone will not just do that. You need to find something else. And we saw these, uh, you know, changes obviously in food. Um, uh, after that, you know, we started talking about sleep and maybe some of these like cognitive things. Uh, in Chicago, we had a uh, a uh, like psychotherapist coaches you could talk to, but uh, I know some guys are quite hesitant. Uh, it's a little bit like it's like open the the can of worms you don't really want to touch that (laughs) so uh i didn't really talk to him that much it's always also difficult because he's there because of management so you don't know what's going the other way like there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that are quite difficult you know so um and then after i think in the end of my uh, stay there and the career it's a lot of the recovery functions are coming in you know uh, ice bathing and saunas and infrareds and uh, you know different therapies and uh, electric training and like uh, all of these different things are, are coming into play so guys are really amping up and I feel this last aspect now is really the mental development part uh, that is coming in and uh, here breathing is really something different compared to um, you know, a, a full mindful practice, which I also love. I love meditation, uh, but it could be quite difficult to get a 25-year-old to do that. And especially mm. if they're high, high intense and really, uh, uh, you know, performance-driven individuals. So I think this is kind of a natural progression uh, that we're seeing and uh, more minds are opening up to it uh, than, than before. Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's a normal progression because I think the fiscal part is easier to handle. Like you, you have to almost touch it like fiscal th- therapy or cold immersion because it's, 
it's a, you know it's a little bit tougher and it, you but when you get into meditation breathing and uh, psychotherapy it's the mental aspect and most people don't go to a therapist and say i feel so good i have to go to a therapist it's usually a, a negative connotation associated with it so but i think it's coming it's it's moving the needle is moving that way uh but since you left do you do you know if if it's gone even further that are these practices coming into play more and more in general uh i would say i i think some guys are introduced to it now i started to see a little bit of it uh like spot wise especially in the nhl and um so i think i think it's moving a little bit uh, and and the the sneaky thing with some of these practices is you know if you have an edge in a way i was joking about mm. it when when we were starting to do uh, and Chicago was fantastic because anything you wanted to do that would like enhance performance for you and your team, they were like, okay, let's do that. You know, we want to be the best and so to speak. So we tried a lot of things, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, from like uh, electromagnetic tra training stuff to, uh, you know, supplements or whatever it was, you know, so uh, all legal. So you know, I want to just disclaim that. So nobody <laughs> said anything about that. Um, but it was a very open, you know, it was, it was very open like that. And they wanted us to explore and do that. And you, you actually got respect for doing it, which I, I think was different from a lot of maybe other places at the time. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, we're, 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 yeah. Was so you're saying it's, it's coming from, but you have to pick it up yourself. So if you wanted to yeah. do, it, it didn't come from the organization. It came from individual players. Yeah, I mean, we had a really good uh, staff there. Uh, um, I mean, both coaching, but also the medical staff that was quite open to it. And I think a lot of times that's like, that's kind of the, not the resentment, but they're a little bit scared and they don't want to like take things in and they want to control what's going on. Uh, and uh, there was quite open. Um, and uh, a lot of people uh, or players that are using things like these, uh, like even now, if you have an advantage, you have an advantage, right? right? So you, you don't really want to give that away. And like I said, oh, that was the point I was trying to make. Like in Chicago, we started worried about food and nutrition and all these things. And I was happy if somebody was eating, you know, a pizza on the other side, because then I know it's like, if they're not, at least I have some advantage, you know? Uh, so it could be that we're seeing in the beginning of this now that the people that are really finding these, uh, these methods, that they're not really spoken uh, out loud about them uh, because uh, uh, they they not that they uh, they don't want other people to learn but more that they want to try to keep the the advantage maybe too mm. so I think we're seeing like both of that um, and once it's kind of breaking open and everybody knows about it it's a different thing then it's more of like are you actually going to apply it or not but we're still kind of early there so uh, I think some are using it but they're not really saying that yeah, I think that is that is exactly right. That is why I get that from some people. Why aren't people talking about it? And I tell them it's because uh, if you if you're uh, if you're at a team and or an individual or a sport, you don't want to talk about your advantages. Mm. You want to keep them to yourself, at least during your career. Maybe afterwards you speak about it. So I think that is one reason why you keep it a little bit tight and you don't know about it. So uh, yeah, but uh, so so basically, it's been a development so to speak uh for you and it, it was uh ha has breathing methods have did did you do it during the career or came did it come after you stopped playing um i i played around a little bit with it and not enough if it's one thing that i actually uh, like i said if you, you that's why this is so interesting. You know, you dive into something and I dive into a lot of different topics uh, and especially when everything's connected to well-being and performance and this somehow I missed, which in my mind is just ridiculous. That's crazy to me. Uh, so that's why I'm doing what I'm doing now. I'm trying to make that a change for younger players or athletes or people in general, you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, with, well, you can yeah, you can make a comeback. I mean, Chris Chelios played till he was forty-eight, yeah, exactly. so you got plenty of time. You 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 just have to uh, you just yeah, have to do it yeah, for a year and then come so back. I didn't you? No, I didn't use it as much as um, as much as I wanted to. I think that's uh, the the biggest takeaway for me. Uh, I would have loved to discover this when I was twenty-five. Like it would have been just fantastic 
like the single thing mm -hmm. I can point out that I, I really felt that this would, this would have made a difference for me for everything else that I did. Uh, and not just for my career, but, you know, well-being or self-reflecting or, you know, stress man, whatever, like it would have been, uh, it would have been really nice. And uh, yeah. I think Johnny just stepping in that I, I really feel that breathing has just had a bad rap. And I often say it in podcasts that people don't realize the potential of it. It's really unfortunate that universities didn't do more research in it. And um, because especially universities who are really about improving sports performance. And I also think about the youngsters who genetically may have a little anxiety or poor sleep. And even just this week, I realized from one study, 43% of rugby players having sleep disorder breathing. Like this is crazy stuff. And here are a cohort of individuals, may also in top sports, something is holding them back, but nobody is necessarily bringing attention to that thing. And when we look at breathing, you know, this is not just for yogis. This is for anybody who wants to achieve and looking for in incremental gains across a number of things. I'm interested because I think oftentimes the word mindfulness, mindfulness is wonderful, but it can put people off. But if we practice focusing on the breath and improving blood flow to the brain, we can improve concentration. So we have the mental aspect of it. What tools, if you were to break down a hockey game, or not necessarily even a hockey game, but a hockey training, where, what breathing exercises or what ideas would you think? I know you might be disclosing some secrets here, but what breathing exercises would you think could be useful? And talking about nose breathing, breath holding, sleep, etc. Uh, well, there's, there's, there's many uh, aspects here. And uh, like I said, I've been trying like most of them or all of them on myself, obviously. Uh, and uh, I also have a group of, uh, of players. I think we talked about that a little bit this, uh, this summer that, uh, uh, that I train in the summertime. And uh, I, I've, uh, there's a, that's, it's a mix of players, you know, some of them are in the NHL or in Sweden or they play, uh, in Europe, different places. And uh, I was trying to sneak in the breathing and like the protocols as much as I could, because I really believe this is something uh, good for them. And uh, uh, trying to get them to understand that this is important, obviously. So uh, there's, uh, I mean, you can work at different things, but there's some, some part of the preparation, obviously. And there you have a lot of your, uh, your breath hold, uh, uh, ideas and, and warm-ups really when you can incorporate that uh, and uh, we did that a lot I really liked uh, um, uh, the apnea or the moving apnea or whatever you would call it where you uh, uh, basically uh, doing exercises on exhale uh, breath holds uh, and uh, get that nice clean contraction and activation uh, to raise uh, the levels of the CO2 and really try to train that function and that's a really good uh, starting function to do. Um, and then when we talk about, you know, coming into games or coming into practices, really try to maybe during warmups, use in your nose as much as you can uh, to really open up that, uh, that function as well. Uh, during games, uh, I, I don't really emphasize anybody to mm. try to uh, think about it because I mm. think if you do that in the off time or in the yeah. off season where you can adapt to it, it takes a little bit of time to adapt to it. And, we saw some uh, tremendous changes in the three or four months during the summer where some guys are, you know, they had a broken septum or something and mm -hmm. all of a sudden they can actually start to use it, which is kind of strange. Not as before, but they could actually get uh, mm -hmm. some ventilation through it. So it was quite interesting too. So try to get them to incorporate the nose breathing a lot in the, uh, in the warmups as much as they can. Uh, been trying, we tried a couple of times even on the ice doing that. And uh, uh, that part, I think, is really important. If you want to have, like, before games or something like that, I, um, I haven't recommended, uh, you know, kind of the alternate breathing or the, the Wim Hof techniques, but uh, some players actually get really nice, relaxed, and balanced from that one. Uh, I know uh, some other ones uh, uh, that will do more of the slower breathing, you know, just the cadence breathing to actually activate um, – box breathing for sure you know that's uh that's kind of a given so that's some of the techniques you can do before 
And obviously when you're on the ice, um, like I said, you don't want to think about it too much, mm. but, uh, uh, a lot of guys Which, now actually have the mouthpiece anyway, so that that keeps their nose closed a lot of the times. And when I think the biggest impact or the biggest thing to think about is uh, when you come back to the bench and uh, you're getting ready for the next shift, or you sit in there, <gasps> yeah. like ventilating or or hyperventilating, or you're trying to calm yourself down and then breathe through your nose and then get ready, you know, for the next yes. shift. I think that's. Uh, that's a kind of a the, the no-brainer of, of breathing as of now. So I, uh, yeah. I think in terms of hockey, I'm sure you do a lot of anaerobic shuttle tests because it must be a feature of the game. It's it's a high intensity sprint followed yeah. by a very brief recovery, and it's something that happens throughout a hockey game. Do you ever prepare with it in terms of measuring repeated sprintability in athletes and to even superimpose some breath tolling during some sprints? to push the boundaries even further to, to improve the buffering capacity of the athlete so that they'd be less gassed out and they would have a quicker recovery um, what, during their time out or whatever. Uh, yeah. And uh, here I've, I've been using that, uh, the rugby protocol. And I think we talked mm. about that a little mm. bit, over, uh, especially in the summertime. So twice a week uh, uh, we'll do, that's a part of the warm up. Uh, you know, the, the breath hold, uh, uh, shuttle running or whatever you would call it. And uh, uh, we saw, like, I, I saw an enormous improvement just in that by itself. But also, um, I think it, one thing that's important also is the subject, subjective feeling of being out of air or, or uh, you know, not having the, the stamina or whatever you would call it, right? So we do a lot of training, uh, but we emphasize a lot and especially with Vladimir that uh, is a really, really good coach that I had for a long time. And the one I'm, I'm helping, uh, I I'm assisting him now training the other guys. And uh, uh, we want to find the, the minimal dose of what you kind of need to do mm-hmm. uh, for getting the maximum result. Like training athletes, you can, you can pound them with stuff and they would just like, Oh yeah, nice, more stuff, more stuff. And they would love it. And then, over time, when you get older, you're going to wear down. Uh, and I think the idea with the breathing here is the same thing. Like, can you find a, a, a minimal effect? Can you do shuttle runs instead of a normal, uh, but on breath holds? And maybe you can do half of them and you get the effect is, is even better. And so for me, that's, that's an interesting aspect, not to have them on the field for two hours, but maybe do it for, you know, 20 minutes and then, then you're done. So we did that and the results were, were interesting, both subjective, how they're feeling, uh, but we also got some results back from some VO2 testing that guys have been doing the years before and the numbers actually increased and mm-hmm. they've basically been doing the same thing. And I don't know if it's that, I can't mm-hmm. say 100%, uh, but there's, there's some interesting correlation for sure. Yeah, yeah. it was something, uh, it was... Be, it was something yeah. different that you brought in and yeah. because of the something different that you brought in, you've seen a change. I think yeah. that's an interesting point. You know, if we talk about athletes, the training can be so intense that the athlete can be prone to injury yeah. and it really doesn't make sense. You know, I see it in MMA fighters. We see it in different team sports. Um, why not do breath holding with either less intensity or less reps to get a stronger effect. So I would agree with that. Yeah. And just for the people listening, the NHL is the National Hockey League, um, just in case you're, you're, you're not aware of it. So yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. How, do you, how do you get a buy-in from, uh, well, starting with yourself, if somebody came to you when you were 20, 22, uh, 25, telling you that this, this is really good for you, and how do you deal with other ones now who are the same age? How do you get them to realize that this is very good for them? Uh, well, it really, of course, authority or whatever you would call it makes a difference. So uh, that's why I feel like this is something actually I can affect here because, uh, uh, you know, in, in sports or in hockey, um, those who know me at least know that I, I like these type of things. And uh, uh, hopefully, you know, younger players too will actually, maybe they see something, they're like, oh, okay, we, we want to do that or we don't want to do that. It doesn't really matter. It's more of, um, it's almost like a Tro- Trojan horse in a way where 
they're looking maybe for something else and then I can kind of sneak this in, you know? Uh, so that's exactly what I'm doing with some of the players, but, uh, and then obviously getting the feedback if it's, if it's useful for them and they like it. And then uh, some other younger ones are interested, you know, um, and, uh, uh, they want to do something different. Uh, I don't know if somebody would approach me when I was 25, I probably would have been uh, quite open to it, depending on obviously who it is. But uh, if it's something that somebody that I kind of trust and look up to, then I would be quite open to that uh, for sure. So, um, you know, there's, there's, there's kind of two ways. There's one of the factual way or the, the, the truth or whatever you would call it. And then you have the, uh, you're the role model part. Uh, and uh, I think I'm trying to bring both of those uh, and get as much information and, and try a lot of things on myself, of course, uh, and then be able to understand what, like in what situation and for what player could this be a good idea to do? So um, yeah, using trying to use both of them, I would say. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, of course, the, the hockey player you were, when you tell somebody else this will help you, you, you come from a place where they kind of trust you that it, it will work. It's more difficult for somebody who's coming from the outside, just tell them this is good for your ice hockey or any sport for that matter. If you don't, if you haven't been an elite player in that sport, they, it's uh, easier to get uh, trusted. And I can only speak for myself. If I was 25 and somebody came to me talking about stuff that we're talking about, highly doubtful that I would have uh, listened to that. Very, very doubtful. Um, and the players are also very, um, uh, uh, how do you say it? Skrokfull is in Sweden. I can't remember where it is now. Yeah, they have their own little rituals. Yeah, superstitions and rituals. And, and I, I had too. And I think rituals are good. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why it's so interesting when to implement this too. Uh, you know, it's way easier approaching somebody that's been sitting on the bench or not playing for a long time or having a bad year or whatever, uh, compared to like going to somebody that just scored 50 goals. So they're they're going to be like, what am I going to talk to you? Mm. Uh, so uh, also finding when to approach people, I think it's important. And not in the sense that you actually, you know, you're trying to sell them something that they don't want. Uh, more in the approach of this could actually help you at this point. And maybe if you do this, you won't end up in this type of a slump next time. So uh, players are very, uh, you know, slow and hesitant with a lot of things like that, or not everybody, I would say, but the, the majority in a way, I, I would say the, you want to kind of keep to the traditions and the structures that you do. And especially if you're, you know, NHL players, the, 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 you're there for a reason, uh, you know, so uh, there might be that you hit, hit a wall at some point where, uh, you feel that what you have at the time is not enough. And then you start to look outside. Okay, what, what can I apply? So uh, uh, that's, I think the approach with that, when to approach them is, is also very important. I think also, oh, sorry, Daniel. Um, I think it, I suppose, Johnny, I suppose we want to really break breathing down to where we can bring it in seamlessly. We don't want to disrupt anybody's training regime. And we understand that, you know, if I said to an athlete, you're a professional athlete and now I want you breathing through your nose 100% of the time. We know it would be totally ludicrous. But there's points, I suppose, that we want to know the game very well. You know your game very well. And there's places that you can bring in subtle breathing exercises without disrupting any training regime, but bringing in benefits. And the other thing about it that I found when I was working with some of the rugby guys, if they feel a bit of pain it can help, you know, um, they feel their nose opening up pretty quickly. We can increase blood flow to the brain. We can stress the body and a good stress. And they feel the, the, the lactic acid, they feel their legs going jelly. And then they start to realize, I think part of human thing is about the experience of it. Um, sometimes, you know, because we could talk about theory and maybe there's some people that want to hear the theory, but there's some people who want to feel it. What's going on here. And that's part of it, isn't it? It's almost that, experiment a little bit not necessarily experimentation but i suppose experimentation on oneself until one gets more comfortable with it 100 percent. i i that's i think that's the, the the biggest the biggest part of breath work i mean we all we all kind of know this and this is what we have in our other you know the regular classes so so to speak when we don't have uh, athletes it's it, you have to try this and experience these different levels uh, for yourself and uh uh, 
you know, your body is storing a lot of things that, that could be tough to access in a cognitive way. Uh, you can't think about it. You know, it's like reading a book. You, can, you, have to, uh, you have to apply it and then actually do the things in it. Otherwise, it's not mm. real. Otherwise, it's just a book, you know, or in your head. Yeah. And uh, in sports, uh, you know, everybody's, we're talking about this, uh, and it's quite common sense that you have this muscle memory. You know, you go to the gym and you do something and your body remembers. Uh, but when it comes to your body, uh, uh, or emotions or stored or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, it, then it's like, no, no, that's not in your body. That's just in your mind. So I, I think breath work is so nice in that aspect that you can get inside of your body and kind of uh, release some of these things and you can focus on other things and you, know, you can focus on your breathing if you want to and uh, uh, kind of get the uh, ease and, uh, and a different mind uh, going into like anything else you're doing. So um, yeah, I agree with that, uh, that 100%. Yeah. Do you think it's a good idea to uh, using the subjective validation, but also the objective like a uh, an aura ring, a pulse oximeter, a uh, bold score, MBT, t- like all these in parallel, because obviously uh, you want to feel good and all that, but also initially, I think uh, it's usually important for most people to get some sort of um, physical val- validation, also see progress. How much of, of that do you use, tests and uh, HRV and so on? Yeah, I mean, anybody that's in, in production mode, I would say, I, I think... Uh, Obviously, you need to balance that. I don't think you should just measure anything for just measuring it. Uh, and you also uh, you need to understand how to relate to it. I think you need to also actually sense in yourself what's going on, not just you know look at the measurements. But uh, I think it's a very, very good thing to do. Obviously, I have an aura ring myself and had it for uh, two years or something like that now. And it's really good to get a baseline idea. Uh, there's other things you can do you obviously can use the heart math if you want and and uh, measure the hrv um and uh, i mean there's many tools you can use that i think are really good and especially when it comes to uh some some players or some individuals that are very fact driven in a way that like they need to see something before they can step into it and then why not use that Uh, i think that's a good tool to use and but then on the on the back side also you know, understand how to relate to it. It's like, use your phone. It's okay, but don't let your phone use you. It's kind of the same thing. So um, I think a good balance, but for sure you can bring that in and do, and, and uh, I recommend a lot of those things to, to different folks. Uh, I have a glucose meter on me right now, actually, that I, I'm actually using for a little bit. So I love measuring stuff, but uh, um, also kind of have a, try to have a healthy relationship to what you're measuring. So yeah. How is that affected by your, but you're like, if you do strong breath holds or slow breathing, uh, I guess that's one of the reasons is how do you see a difference before and after? Uh, uh, yeah, it's actually funny you talked about that, but because um, I did, um, I did some longer like breath holds this morning, uh, just uh, passively. Uh, and uh, I do that like once or twice a week, trying to really try to push the, to push the envelope as much as I can. And uh, yeah, you get a nice little uh, uh, spike of, uh, uh, I, would, I would assume, because you're stressing your body a little bit, you get a little spike of the cortisol and then obviously the sugar or the, the glucose is following that. Uh, so uh, for anybody trying to wake up uh, in the morning, uh, that uh, some breath holding would be a super good thing to do. And uh, like you said, preparing then you're basically preparing your body for, you know, it's releasing the energy because it wants to do something, you know? So uh, uh, that's super interesting. You asked that. And there's something that I've been uh, noticing, especially for uh, glucose levels in the morning. So uh, that's interesting stuff. Mm. Do you use any other of the, like the oxygen advantage? Do you, do you track your bolt score every now and then, or do an MBT or anything else uh, uh, on a regular basis? Yeah, yes to no. I did more before. Uh, mm-hmm. Now I feel kind of comfortable. I notice now because I do more of the, the breath hold. So I notice quite early with the first breath hold where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, uh, I wouldn't say I do so much testing. I recommend it to people though. I think it's tremendous. a really good, uh, uh, you know, easy way to do it. Uh, 
and uh yeah i would say i did more before yeah so i had like you know a month or something when i really like measured down and, and tried to figure out and after a while you uh with all of these things like i said you you get an idea of who you are in a way where uh how you react to things and what happens and uh and like i said now it's mostly like doing the the first round of the breath holding i i noticed right away if it's you know, do I feel stress? Can I hold it? Like what's going on in my body? So, yeah. I, I agree. I think, again, I think these tools are tests and, and uh, the oar ring and, and all these things are very good initially. After a while, you, you learn to sense how your body performs and you can also shift from day to day. If you, I used to have very stringent routines, but over time you, you feel if, if it's today a good day to do similarly high altitude training or uh, slow breathing or, or one of my favorites is many small warm-ups so but you you kind of shift because of how you feel but before it was mostly you do it regardless and now you're more sensitive so it seems like you're you're almost the same you kind of you have you do it but you you kind of shift in and out depending on how, what uh, what you need so to speak yeah and i think that's a good uh, i wouldn't say i recommend it for everybody like some people are better at like pacing in and like get the routine I'm more of like, I want to jump in and see how it affects me right away. And then I take a couple of weeks or a month or whatever it is. Uh, sometimes the biggest issue I have, I, I tend to do a lot of things at once. So it's like tough to like, oh, is that working or that working? But, uh, but uh, I'm trying to separate this as much as possible and really like trying to go into one technique or something and get understanding how it affects me. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the same in breathing too, to understand the, uh, you know, different approaches and, uh, and different, uh, you know, different styles. And, and I, I think it's impossible for me to recommend it if I don't at least understand for myself how it's working. And then other people, uh, of course, they have to try it in a sense too. It doesn't mean that it works for them just because it works for me, but uh, at least that for me, that's the first step. And I think with these uh, uh, tech stuff, it's kind of the same, you know, but uh, uh, some of them are good. I mean, uh, yeah, I like yeah, it. And also, I think uh, a combination of, of doing it, like right now, for the past six months, I've, I've done a lot of uh, breathing techniques uh, in combination with cold water. Yeah. So com combining like two, two good habits also get an extra effect. Uh, so I've been experimenting a lot on that. I don't know if you, if you do anything, do you do any cold water immersion or do you combine different habits? Uh, to get an extra effect? Yeah, I, I, I have been. I, I have a little uh, uh, tub in my house, uh, a normal tub that is filled up. Now in the wintertime, it's actually quite nice. It's like seven degrees or something like that. Uh, and if I don't do that, I, I do uh, the cold showers usually. Um, I also have a, 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 it is a lake, I guess, but not too far from my house. I can actually jog over like in the city kind of. So I kind of go there. It's like a little uh, dog beach. <laughs> so in the winter time, I go down there and I like take all my stuff off and I go into the water and, uh, and uh, then people are, are walking their dogs and the dogs are so happy because there's somebody in the water. They're like, oh, nice. Nobody's, <laughs> like, nobody's been in the water for four months. So they're like jumping after me and stuff. But it's, um, uh, it's nice. I do it. Uh, I try to do it uh, at times. Not so much now lately, but uh, I, I, I like the, uh, the sensations and obviously the physical benefits and everything. I think, I mean, the, the cold bathing now, like when we made it quite pop popular, we have influencers here now in Sweden doing cold baths and uh, stuff. So uh, uh, it's, it's quite uh, popular. And then of course, being in the climate we're in up here, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy that we don't, use it more and we kind of did before and traditions like cold bathing has been tradition in sweden for a long time and uh, you know finnish uh, communities the sauna and the cold bathing that's mm -hmm. uh, that's really uh, uh that's really um a pillar i would say in their in their uh, uh in their community so um yeah i try to use it at times i think it's really good tools uh, heat like infra saunas and regular saunas um like all of those things, uh, light therapy, um, you know, there's, there's a bunch of things you can do, obviously, that's, uh, that's nice to do and play around with. Yeah. Johnny, in terms of mental focus, um, you were talking about even when you were, when you were an athlete, what, what difference are, what's the difference with what people are doing today? Because sometimes I think that now people have more and more distractions than ever before. And 
it's almost that they're training their brain to be distracted. And this, of course, is, is going to affect concentration and attention. Um, what can you say, or is there any way that you assess whether an athlete has a racing mind, whether their mind is actually impacting performance in their game? Um, if, if the head isn't in it, the game is over. So mental focus is very important. Of course, this ties in with breath, it ties in with sleep. Is there a way to assess you know, I think there is a stigma attached that people will be, you know, afraid to say if they've got a racing mind. So it's almost that we, we, we shouldn't necessarily be giving people a choice and we're not doing meditation or mindfulness, but we're bringing in breathing exercise to improve focus and concentration. Does that happen? And what are the minds of individuals, youngsters now who've been growing, grown up with mobile phone technology? It's been around since maybe about 2008 in terms of the smartphone. Have you seen a negative impact? Have you seen more anxiety? And um, what's going on with it? Uh, yeah, uh, good question. I mean, this is, uh, this is for sure a societal question, I would say. I don't really think we know the impact yet. Uh, we're going to see here in upcoming years how this is affecting. But I, I think in general, uh, you know, the speed of, of society and and uh, it slowed down a little bit now during the pandemic which is one of the positive things I actually think coming out of this uh, a lot of more reflection and uh, uh, but in general I mean it's going to speed up again and how to balance this in, in a modern way so to speak uh, is very very interesting and like regard, regardless if you're playing hockey or not uh, this is uh, something that's super interesting and and uh, uh, I think actually the the bolt test and the start of the bolt test there is is a really good one because uh, it shows the ones I see have a really tough time and their mind is everywhere. Uh, they might be down to like five seconds, uh, and uh, it's like they're just gasping for air. Uh, so there's some type of hyperactivity going on. And, and Johnny, uh, this sorry to cut across you. This is even with athletes who are well trained. Oh yeah, guaranteed, 100%. It doesn't matter, like breathing here, this is a misconception that's, uh, that's interesting. And I know you talked about this a lot, that just because you're an athlete, you know how to breathe or you can control uh, or you, you have control over body function, so to speak. Uh, I mean, what athletes actually are really good at is compensation. So they're really, really good at making something out of nothing, so to speak. And that's really the the genetic code for athleticism or whatever you would call it in my, in my mind that, you know, uh, you, you don't have a, you, you have only have one leg and somehow you, you manage to use the other one. So you're like excelling. And if this would have been another uh, regular person, they would have been in the hospital, you know? So um, the body constantly adapts and changes and have the ability to do this and develop in a, in a sense that uh, is, uh, you know, abnormal compared to, uh, uh, you know, the normal population, so to speak. Uh, and the idea that uh, your breathing is perfect just because you're an athlete, that's, that's an illusion. Uh, I don't believe that at all. Uh, like anything, like why, yeah, why, why would that function be perfect if nothing else is? You know, we see a bunch of different things. You know, it could be uh, running mechanics or jumping or lifting or like we're training techniques everywhere. So, even skating, you know, you're training skating technique. And then you would say, well, why does a hockey player need to train skating technique? They're, they're skating all the time. You know, it's, it doesn't make sense. So um, trying to get away from that and actually show them that the things they can do. And uh, like you said here, showing how active, uh, you know, active nervous system will have an active mind. Like it's 100%, mm. it's connected, you know, it's connected to the vagus nerve. So, um, if they can't, you know, have a breath hold for more than five seconds and then kind of lose in their mind, then we know there's something in there that's uh, uh, we need to look at uh, yeah. and how we're going to do that approach. That could be different, but uh, uh, it's uh, it's a good, really good test, I think, for that. Yeah. Great. Also, uh, now you are opening up some studios in in, uh, in Stockholm where you're going to be uh, focusing on mostly, I guess, uh, breathing, but uh, maybe also some other things. And what are your, uh, what is your plan with those uh, centers and who, 
who are you trying to uh, reach mostly with that? Um, yes, so uh, hail is what we call it, and uh, we uh, we want to try to combine all these beautiful things. So basically, we're we're trying to do physically what Nestor James Nestor did in his book, and uh, really, really, you know, gathering all these fantastic ways of applying this, and really letting people choose what to apply and when, so to speak. Uh, so we, um, you know, we operate like a, like a regular studio with different type of classes and uh, we're opening up now in April. And the, the, the idea is to, you know, really raise the, the consciousness of, of uh, breathing and how that can affect you. And exactly like you said, both of you said before, uh, try to understand the impact of this and, uh, you know, being in this community now for two years or something like that, I think, uh, it is so obvious that this is just people need to understand this and uh, they need to incorporate this in some type in their life, just as you do with training or, uh, you know, as yoga has done for a long time or whatever mm. it is, you know, so, and uh, yeah. Johnny, who are you going to aim it towards? Are you going to aim it towards the, the athlete or the normal everyday person? What space um, are you going to occupy? Yeah, we're doing both. I mean, the, the, the studios are basically for the, the normal people, uh, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then us, the, the more extreme ones, uh, there's some classes for the extreme ones too. Uh, but I, I really like the spectrum of, uh, we have some of the deeper and uh, more like, uh, you know, abstract uh, breathing techniques. Uh, and then obviously we have more of the common ones and we really want to affect uh, uh, the, the regular working people, so to speak, that mm. have a high stress life. You know, you might have kids, bunch of things going on, uh, coming in, you know, 20, 25, 27, starting at that age and starting to get an idea. And then obviously we'll run up, you know, breathing is really is for everyone. Uh, yes. For us, it really and is for life. Everyone. Yeah, exactly. So mm. uh, we want to try to affect the, the wider population. And then my part in this uh, along with, I actually got two other hockey players with me now, which is quite beautiful. One mm. of them I played a long time with before. Um, and uh, uh, we're kind of into the sports section where we're trying to uh, kind of like, uh, you know, you, we talked about Daniel, uh, trying to go into maybe hockey and like different sports and trying to see if we can raise this consciousness and, uh, you know, really work with this. And that like, there's so much to do here. You know, mm. it's like, just looking in Sweden, uh, when it comes to, you know, players or athletes or coaches, it's like, you know, we need like a hundred people more or a thousand more working with this because mm -hmm. there's like, there's so much to do. Um, so I'm trying, I'm trying to just get everybody on board that I can kind of, and, uh, and, uh, really that's, that's what we're, trying to do yeah, I would say yeah it sounds it sounds super we're, we're covering some of the ground ourselves as well in terms of the exercise we've expanded them to 25 and yeah. um so yeah it's interesting we're, it's almost that we're going in the same direction yeah. which which is great but johnny i totally agree i'm nearly 50 years of age and breathing still remains to be a big part of my life and in terms of sleep in terms of focus concentration energy and happiness and I just feel that it has been totally overlooked and only since 2020 has it really, really taken off. And it's taken off to the point that we were, I was a lone ranger with one colleague working with me for about 17 years. And now we have a support staff of 10 people. So for, the, for that to happen in two years or so, and it brings its own challenges, but definitely I think the time is right for breathing. It's certainly riding on the back of the Wim Hof method on James Nestor's book and people who are in this space and people are starting to realize it. And I think it's tremendous. It's been long, long time waiting. And I think it, it, it can be like we're talking about applied anywhere, because if you're a young hockey player for better physique and mentality for older hockey player for longevity, because I think you can still shift the age a little bit more, maybe not like Chris Chelios, 48, but maybe instead of ending your career around 35, maybe closer to, to 40, maybe, or 38, maybe. You see, you see the, the, in every sport, they're pushing it more and more. And in work, to be able to sustain, uh, uh, I mean, uh, a high stress load in work with a family and everything. So I think breathing techniques, especially oxygen advantage, it could be applied anywhere to any age 
at any time. And that's what's so fantastic. But I think it's a matter of, of just people realizing this and that, that is the, uh, and that takes time. Uh, and that's mm. what you're trying to do now, Johnny, as well. And I, it, uh, it will take time, but I think it will come in the next decade. I think we'll see a slow progression towards uh, an increase of awareness. Yeah. And for children, Johnny, maybe you have a children's program as well. It would be very good. Yeah, I, mean, I would love to. Um, I would love to get into that too. I've seen some uh, or a lot of people talking about that. Uh, I know Dan Brule is talking about it a lot too. So, uh, uh, yeah, I mean that's that's the the best way to to do it. You know, to get get them early to get them yes. to understand uh, what's going on. So, yeah. I mean, there's there's so much. Th- that's why this is so fun for me too. That there really is an enormous challenge here, and it's really fun to do this. And uh, I feel. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm in a luxury position in my life where I can basically choose to do whatever I want. And uh, this is, I feel, the, what I can do and kind of give back, in a, so to speak, where uh, I feel like I can do or give the most impact to people. So uh, I agree 100%. It's, it's something that uh, needs to, you know, expand more. And uh, I think there's, uh, it's time for it. Yeah. Mm. I think we will wrap it up and we even might leave it at that note. Do you want to add anything further, Daniel? No, I, I mean, I, I, uh, that's it basically. And I, I just wish Johnny all the best with, because all these initiatives with, with these uh, types of, of uh, uh, focus on breathing and well-being is, is, is really a, a great time, I think, and especially in a big city like Stockholm where people live uh, and they live a very hectic life. I think this is uh, ideal kind of to be able to co- go to a place to slow down. So to then be able to maybe speed up when you get outside, but you need places to center yourself. So I wish you all the best with that. Absolutely. I do too. I think it's tremendous. Well done, Johnny. Thank you guys. Yeah. And I appreciate uh, also both of you. Uh, obviously, Daniel, for reaching out. It is my third podcast, first podcast, by the way. So. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> you've done done very well for your first podcast thank you very much and then uh, yeah of course uh patrick there like uh, i wanted to add to like uh we talked about the before here but uh uh, your part of what you've been doing here for a long time is really admirable and it's uh uh, for me it's uh you know i want to i want to kind of keep running you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so uh uh the training we had in, in Denmark was fantastic. And uh, I would recommend anybody to do that if you want to go deeper into these aspects of really trying to understand, uh, uh, you know, the physical part and the training part. And uh, uh, for me, I thought it was tremendous, like the, the probably the best training I've done so far. So I really yeah. want to recommend that to everybody. Thanks so much, Daniel. We're going to close it off with that. Thanks. 